Hey guys, today I have my uh, friend Junior Lemus. Um, he was really helpful for me after I had my awakening and had to recover. Um, I actually took his old job as a delivery driver for a while, and uh, he's a big social guy. And you know, uh, took me to a lot of events and met a lot of people. And uh, so, tell us a little about about yourself, Junior. All right. Well, first of all, Mr. Kendall. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, be on this podcast. And uh, I like how you said that you took my job. Let, let, <laughs> let, me, let me clarify. I gave it to him. Right, right, right. <laughs> it was, uh, and just to elaborate a little bit on that, I met him when I was delivering for an office supply company here in, here in uh, Lubbock. And uh, I used to deliver to his mom where she worked. Um, and so I ended up, meeting him through his mom there at her job. Um, next thing you know, I'm offered a ministry job um, that was going to require me to leave the city. And so I needed to uh, look for a replacement. Uh, Kendall was interested. And uh, so, yeah, we uh, I trained him for a little bit. And then uh, I got to, you know, move on to do a ministry job and, and uh that's how he ended up um, replacing me at work. Um, but uh, uh, so let's see. You asked me to just say a little bit about yeah, myself. Yeah, introduce yourself. Uh, well, I am 35, even though recently I said 36. <laughs> I don't know. I told somebody I was 36, and, and I was like... See, the older you get, it's just slipping your mind already. Is that what's already... happening? <laughs> so I'm 35. I... Uh, Man, I, I grew up in a wonderful home, wonderful atmosphere, great childhood, great teenage years. And uh, I started ministry at a young age. At 16, I started ministering. And uh, I, I've been ministering since I was 16. So that's 19 years of being involved in public speaking. And just uh, that's my, my heart is to hear from God and, and to hopefully interpret what I feel He's telling me through his spirit, hopefully interpret it in a healthy way, interpret it in a way that helps me love better, that helps me serve better, that helps me forgive better. Um, that's, that's my heart uh, to interpret the voice of God in, in a just in, in a mature manner and in a, in a way that's balanced between practical application of, of God's voice and, and then you know, um, how can I put it? Anything that God speaks to me, I it's my heart to try to express it in a way that that can be expressed in a practical, simple, easy manner in everyday life. That's Inspiring. my heart. Yeah, to inspire people. Because um, that, that's what that's one thing that uh me personally I've always loved about God that I feel like when he speaks to me, uh just me personally. It's in a way that I can immediately apply it in a practical way. Um, that, but that, that's just me. You know, everybody mm -hmm. has their own walk with God. And for others, you know, there's, there's other people that they love hearing from God in regards to, to other things. And that's fine, too. Um, I just love practical application when it comes to hearing God's voice. Um, and so that's, that's one reason I accepted this opportunity when Kendall said, "Hey, you want to come and be on the on the podcast?" and I said, "Yeah, man," because I'd 
I'd love to share um, what changed my life when I was 26, and it has everything to do with practical application. Um, but just a little bit more about me. My my full-time job is going into the prisons to uh, to help inmates have a renewed mind. What I the information I give them, whether I'm ministering at the prisons or I'm doing our rehabilitation program. My my goal is to plant seeds of information that hopefully helps them think more like a giver and less like a taker. Mm. Information that helps them think more selflessly um, and less selfishly. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been doing full time prison work for two years now, but I've I've been involved in the prisons since January 2018. Um, but full time, getting paid to do it, um, two years, and I love it. And uh, uh, yeah, right right now my life is mainly about just uh, serving in the prisons. Um, and aside from that, I I love sports. So <laughs> I'm just a big sports guy, and that's something that me and Kendall have in common. That we we love wisdom, we love insight, we love gaining knowledge, any information that helps us move in the right direction. We have that in common. And then also this whole sports thing where we love basketball. So the, the two things that we love most, uh, oh, I'll put it this way. The two things I love most, which is wisdom and basketball, <laughs> Kendall is the same way. So like me and him, we, we have those two things that really connect us. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, and uh, Kendall, thanks again for the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Um... I appreciate your heart and uh, always love uh, what wisdom you've been learning, what you have to share, and your heart for other people. And come on, um, you, you know you just you know so many people. You've done uh, so much, so much outreach and preaching, different places like that. Um, so I always appreciate that. Um, yeah, you have a uh, you have some some wisdom you want to share today. Absolutely, and the. The topic that I would like to cover is heart of a servant. Heart of a servant. Now, before I before I get into to some of the main points I want to make, um, I, I want to make it clear that I don't in in no way do I. I'm not an expert when it comes to this topic. I don't know it all, um, but I'm very passionate about what I what I believe I do understand. I'm very passionate about what I believe Holy Spirit has revealed to me about it. Um, and so you're going to hear confidence in my voice. You're going to hear conviction in my voice. You're going to hear certainty in my voice. But, but in no way do I want that interpreted as, oh, he thinks he knows everything about the topic. Not at all. I know there, I know there's always room to learn more. Uh, but what I'm going to share, I'm going to share with confidence um, and with a strong conviction that I, I really believe this is truth. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, the, the first thing I want to share is that most, I'm going to say a lot of men, I'm not going to say most men, but I'm going to say a lot of men um, are afraid of the word servant. Um, and I think it's due to the fact that we, we live in a world um, where a lot of men are chasing a title or power 
or influence or authority or status or a position that they believe others will respect. And so when you when you bring it when you bring up the word servant, most men are not going to really embrace it. Now, why? Well, I think it's because most men, when they think of the word servant, what comes to their mind is a nobody, a peon, um, somebody who just takes orders, somebody that you just boss around, somebody that doesn't bring anything valuable or important to the table. So they're like, I don't want to be called a servant. I don't want to be a servant. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't mind being called supervisor. I don't, be, I don't mind being called a, a pastor or evangelist or, or manager or boss or, you, you know, we keep going through a list of titles that um, men don't mind having, but servant? Um, you, you think it might be part of like a distorted view of what masculinity is supposed to be like? Oh, we're supposed to be in charge. We're supposed to be over people. And like being a servant is like weak or something. A absolutely. And, and I want to be clear that the definition that I'm going to give about servant is what I call a, a kingdom definition, not a secular definition. Um, in the kingdom, and what I mean by that is, I believe that when we surrender our heart to Christ Jesus, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, I believe um, we become part of God's family, part of God's kingdom. And I believe that in the kingdom, the definition of servant is this. It's, it's not, first I'm going to say what it's not. It's not a peon. It's not a nobody. It's not somebody who, who just takes orders. It's not a slave. It's not somebody who you just boss around. It's not someone who brings nothing to the table. No, in, in the kingdom, the definition of servant is this. Someone who's willing to be fruitful and productive for the benefit of their neighbor. Do you hear that? Some, someone who's willing to serve their neighbor or their community, it means they're willing to be fruitful and productive for the benefit of others, whether it be their family, their kids, their community, their organization, where they work. And when I say the word fruitful, they're, they're, they're willing to be fruitful. I'm, what I mean by that is they're willing to make themselves useful. So... Um, when I was 26, I really felt like Holy Spirit was revealing these things to me. I really felt like he was telling me, this is what it means to be a servant, Junior. Um, and when I say that it literally changed my life, I know it sounds cliche, but the more that I continue sharing today, I think you're going to better understand why it literally changed my life. So... The first way that it changed my life was it enabled me to embrace my secular job. Because I remember 
I remember thinking, man, my, my secular job is keeping me from fulfilling my purpose because I'm supposed to be preaching. I'm supposed to be a full-time pastor or evangelist. I'm supposed to be full-time ministry. But when Holy Spirit told me, Junior, one of, the, one of your main purposes on earth is to express God's servant heart. God himself has a, the heart of a servant. And I'll, I'll explain more of what that means as I go through this. But when I felt like Holy Spirit said, God himself, the King of Kings, has a servant's heart. And, and, and part of your purpose on earth is to express that kind of heart. Um, when he made that clear to me and he gave me that definition, part of being a servant is you're willing to be fruitful and productive for the benefit of others. He helped me realize, so your job doesn't keep you from fulfilling your purpose. Your job is an avenue through which you can express fruitfulness and productivity for the better, for the benefit of others and get paid to do it. So that really just completely changed my mind about my secular job. I said, wait a minute, when I go to work, work doesn't keep me from fulfilling my purpose. My secular job actually gives me an opportunity to be fruitful and productive for the benefit of others. That is an expression of the heart of God that's an expression of my purpose. And can you imagine what that did for me? It's like, oh my gosh, now, now going to work, I didn't look at it as going to work anymore. Now I looked at my secular job, now I perceived it through the lens of it's an opportunity for me to express the heart of God to our customers and I get paid to do it. Yeah, that's great. I think uh, some <laughs> some Christians have kind of a false idea that there's this divide between the sacred and the secular. Come when on. it's just like Come on. we can be servants and we can show God's love in in everything and all that we do. And there's um, it's not just a Sunday thing; it's a all week thing. And no matter what we're doing um, through our jobs or any other part <clears throat> of our life. Come on, I loved it because. He made it clear to me, Junior, fulfilling your purpose doesn't have to include reading a scripture. Fulfilling your purpose doesn't have to include you preaching. It doesn't have to look churchy. By you going to work with this new mindset that you're going to work to serve your clients and the community and the company and your coworkers, everything you do when you show up to your secular job, Everything you do, that you're being productive for the benefit of the co-workers, the customers, everybody involved. You may not be sharing a scripture, but you are expressing the scripture. Hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah, there you go. You may not be quoting it, but you're actually expressing it through your productivity. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So right there, he's talking about, I came to serve. He's just generalizing it. I'm going to serve in any way that I can. 
And then he talks about something specific. Then he says, and to give my life as a ransom for many. So there you see where he did have a specific assignment on his life, but the, the specific assignment, he wasn't so focused on his specific assignment that he didn't know how to serve just in general. Hmm. And I think that's a problem that a lot of a lot of people have. They're so busy chasing whatever their specific assignment is in life, they get so caught up in that that they neglect the everyday simple ways they can serve humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's such a that hard thing for me. I have to always have to remind myself. And I think when we get stuck in that mindset, there's a lot of times where we can be used to helping help other people, but we can become blind to that and miss opportunities because we're like, oh, this is my focus, this is my purpose, whatever. Come on, come on. I And, and so that's another reason why this revelation about Junior, one of your main purposes on earth is to express my servant's heart to this world. That's another reason it was so life-changing to me because... It helped me embrace the now moments. Mm-hmm. When, when we're so focused on a specific assignment that we think we have on earth, a specific purpose, a specific calling, when we're so focused on that, it's hard, for me at least, it was hard to embrace my now moments. Mm-hmm. And I was blind and overlooking so many now opportunities to be a blessing to somebody else because my mindset was no was no my specific purpose is preaching or teaching or being a pastor or being evangelist using my voice i was so stuck on that that if i wasn't doing it then i couldn't i couldn't enjoy my now moment mm-hmm. right but this revelation of jesus saying i came to serve that's just a general statement. And to fulfill and to honor my specific assignment. Well, then if we apply that to our life, then it should free us to do the same. That yes, I believe there's a specific assignment or assignments on my life. But I'm not going to get so caught up in that. That whenever that whenever um, I'm driving, I'll, put, I'll give you an example. I'm not going to get so caught up on my assignment to to express wisdom that whenever I'm in line at Whataburger and there's a family of five in front of me and their bill is 30 bucks and the mom only has $25 that I'm not in tune to that now moment that I see what's going on and I don't contribute what's the other five to make sure her family has you know, to pay the bill. Mm-hmm. See, if, if I'm so caught up in where I think I'm supposed to be, I can't even be tuned in to my now moment and catch opportunities to be a blessing and serve my neighbor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah a lot of, and I think too that um, those those small moments are, it's like God, Jesus said, um, you must be uh, responsible in the small things to from me give you big things so it's like these small moments every day are actually what is preparing us to fulfill this greater purpose which we you know brother you hit it on a nail because that's exactly what happened with david david was taking care of sheep he was serving 
And his father, Jesse, by the way, this is in, in Samuel chapter 17. David's father, Jesse, says, he says, hey, Jesse, go and take this bread and cheese to your brothers and bring me back a report of how they're doing. David could have said, get somebody else to do it. Give me something more important to do. But David was willing to stay humble and serve his brothers and the captain of the army. So he shows up, serves them. Here's bread, here's cheese. And then he serves his father at the same time because his father wants to know how his older brothers are doing. So, so now he starts talking to them and he's going to end up going back to his dad and saying, here's how your sons are doing, my brothers. And I delivered the cheese. So he's, he, he didn't say get somebody else to do it. He was willing to do it. But here's what happened. Remember, you just said, be faithful in the little things mm -hmm. and, and, and God will promote you, trust you with more. So David is doing a little thing, but watch this. While he's talking to his brothers, he hears Goliath's voice. And most of us know the rest of the story. He, he ends up defeating Goliath. But watch this. He heard Goliath's voice while serving in a simple manner. Is it possible, is it possible that God anoints you to hear the giants you're supposed to slay when you're willing to humble yourself and serve in simple ways. Hmm. Yeah. Is, it, is it possible that if I don't have a humble heart and I'm not willing to embrace the now moment and I'm not willing to serve in simple ways, is it possible that when I'm not willing to do that, I, I miss out on coming face to face with giants that I'm supposed to conquer. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me give some more points about what I feel Holy Spirit told me about what it means to have the heart of a servant. So I already shared it means to have a heart that's willing to be fruitful and productive for the benefit of others. Here's the next one. A servant's heart is a heart that is sensitive to the needs of others. And responds to the need however it can, to whatever degree we can. So, that's also very challenging for men. Why? Because most of us men were not taught to be sensitive to the needs of others. We're taught mainly indirectly. I'm not saying this is taught to us in a clear manner. It's mainly indirectly that we're taught this. We're mainly taught that it's the women who are supposed to be sensitive to the needs of the kids and others. Mm -hmm. But no, this is not a female thing and this is not a male thing. This is a God thing. Having a heart that's sensitive to the needs of others, that's a God thing. Why do I believe that? Because John 3.16, let's read it this way. Instead of saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What if we read it through the lens of a servant's heart? What if we read it this way? For God's heart so loved the world that it was sensitive to the world's need of a savior. 
And from that servant's heart, because he was sensitive to the world's need of a savior, he responded to the need by sending Jesus. You see that? Yeah. So, so I don't believe it's a female thing. I don't believe it's a male thing. I believe it comes straight from the heart of God for us to go through life, go, go through life with a heart full of empathy, with a heart that can be touched by someone's discomfort. A servant's heart is a heart that can be touched by someone else's pain. A servant's heart is a heart that can be touched by someone else's need. And, and when, when our heart can be touched by someone else's need, and we're willing to do something about it, to whatever degree we can. Sometimes there's not much we can do. But I heard somebody say, you can't do everything, but refuse to do nothing, because most times you can do something. Hmm. I'm going to say that again. You can't do everything, but refuse to be to do nothing because most of the time you can do something. So that really changed my life too because now my focus was shifting from my purpose is to be a preacher and I'm not fulfilling my purpose unless I'm preaching or I'm full-time ministry. My now Now my focus was Every day I'm going to be fruitful and productive for the benefit of others. And every day I'm going to have a heart that can be touched by the needs of others. Yeah, that's good. Hallelujah. That's good. Yeah. So, is there scripture that backs this up? Absolutely. The story of the Good Samaritan. In the story of the Good Samaritan, we see where Jesus tells the story. He says, he says a man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was beaten and, and left half dead by thieves. And then it says, a priest and a Levite were walking down the same road. And they saw the wounded man. But their heart was not touched by the wounded man's pain. Neither, neither by his need. Neither by the fact that they left him half dead. The Bible says the priest and the Levite saw him and just continued walking. But then it says that a Samaritan was walking down the same road. And when he saw the wounded man, he had compassion. He had mercy. And so here it paints a picture. The priest and the Levite represent people whose schedule and agenda and personal agenda is always more important than someone else's need. And I, I wonder how many of us are going through life, we don't really understand what it, we don't really understand that a big part of our purpose is to have a heart that can be touched by the needs of others. Hmm. And because we don't understand that, our personal agenda and our schedule and what we're trying to accomplish and what we're chasing, that's always more important than somebody who's left half dead. Hmm. Convicting. <laughs> but the Samaritan, the Samaritan shows us what God wants us to do. I believe 
that God is telling us through the story of the Good Samaritan. The well-being of your neighbor should be a greater responsibility than, especially if it's somebody left half dead, the well-being of your neighbor should be a priority. You ought to be willing, you ought to be willing, you should be okay with being interrupted if it has to do with making sure your neighbor is okay. Hmm. You should be okay with that kind of interruption. Um, I'll say this. When we don't really understand that we're supposed to be expressing a servant's heart, we'll never become that person who's known for going out of your way to help others. Personally, I think the only people who go out of their way to help others and they do it with a good attitude. It's one thing, it's one thing that your, your schedule gets interrupted and you go help somebody. But not everybody does it with the right attitude. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a spontaneous opportunity, an unexpected opportunity, because the Samaritan, he wasn't expecting to see this wounded man. Neither was the priest or the Levite. This was unexpected. This was spontaneous. They, they, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure the Samaritan had a reason why he was traveling down the same road. So this was spontaneous. He was okay with an unexpected need to interrupt his schedule. And I believe he helped the wounded man with a good attitude. I believe it's because he understood my responsibility to serve my neighbor and to love my neighbor is greater than whatever responsibility I have at this other city that I'm traveling to. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. So that was very life-changing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so here's, here's the next one. I felt like Holy Spirit was helping me understand. I felt like he spoke this to me. A servant's heart gets creative with how it serves others. And that was very challenging to me because, especially in the prisons, you have so many men in prison who used their creativity in the wrong way. <laughs> right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. They used the creativity that God gave them, they used it in a way that was not for the benefit of society, but rather for the detriment of others. And not only that, most inmates... Their whole life, they don't use, they've never used their creativity to serve someone. They, use, they say, let me get creative with how I can get away with this. <laughs> Whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So it's very challenging when I share this in the prisons. So for us, I love this about fulfilling our purpose. One way that we can fulfill our purpose is... However you want to be a blessing to people, God gives you creativity with, with, you say, okay, this is something I'd like to do, but how can I do it? Well, that's where the creativity that God gives you 
kicks in. Now you can now you can say, man, I, I want to be a blessing to my community in this way or to my family in this way or to my spouse in this way or to my friends in this way. Whoever it is, whoever your target audience is, or maybe audience is not the word, whoever, whatever group you're targeting to be a to be a blessing to. All of us, I believe all of us have some level of creativity to some degree. Some people are more creative than others. But I believe all of us to some degree have have been granted creativity by God because he himself is a very creative being. And so I believe our job on earth is to use our creativity on how we can serve that servant, that, that how we can serve that specific group that we're targeting. Hmm. So if you're listening and you say, I'm bored with my life, it can be life-changing to embrace this point. If you're bored with your life, think, think about how you can use your creativity in a unique way to bless someone in a unique way. Mm. That's good. Amen. Yeah. So let me give you an example of how I do that in my own life. One thing that I like to do is give people the meaning of their name. I've done it for Kendall. I've done it for a lot of people. And now it has turned into one way that the that the ministry that John 32 prison ministry gets funds. But before it used to be an avenue to get funds, it was just my way of, I like designing. So I remember getting power, a PowerPoint, the PowerPoint program you can design on there. And I, I just designed it a certain way. And, and I just said, you know what? I just want to be a blessing to people. So I designed Kendall's name and gave it to him. I've done so many of them throughout the years. That was me saying, hey, I'm going to use my creativity and my, I love designing. How can I use my love for designing in a way that it blesses somebody? Mm, yeah. You see that? That's great. So I said, I'm going to design their names. Yeah. All right. So I'm just throwing that out there. But if you're listening, you, you can say, Lord, give me an idea. Give me an idea because... There's too many people in this world using their creativity in the wrong way. I want to be in the category where I use my creativity to bless someone in a, in a unique manner. Mm -hmm. And then that's part of the reason why I started this podcast was like, I'm already having conversations with so many people and there's a lot of uh, great, just a connection. And, you know, everyone has a life story. Everyone's got things they've learned and everyone's got something to share. So if you can give them a platform and help other people um, and have these connections between all these different groups. Um, so, yeah. That's perfect. So, so literally right now, what's happening is an expression of your purpose is manifesting right now. You're literally expressing part of your purpose because you love meaningful conversation. You love not just having meaningful conversation, but you want to reach as many people as you can. And so this is an idea. Well, what, what if I do a podcast and I, and, and this, this is a platform for, to have meaningful conversation and, and to put it out there. And so this is literally 
in the now moment, we're not getting so caught up in, in something we believe we're born to do that we can't know. This is a now moment expression of purpose. Yeah. I love it. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and see when the, the more insight and understanding we get about what it means to fulfill purpose, the, the more, the more that, the more that we can really enjoy a now moment. Mm. This is a now moment. How many, if you're listening, how many times have you been somewhere that you're supposed to be enjoying it, but you can't because your mind's somewhere else? Whenever you make peace with the fact that while you're serving someone, you're literally expressing purpose because you're serving, you're being productive, you're being a blessing. When you can make peace that it's literally an expression of purpose, that'll help you be there, not just physically. But your heart will be there and you'll get mm. the fulfillment that God designed you to get from serving somebody. Your spirit will get the fulfillment. Your, your, you, you name it. Whatever high you're looking for, you can get it while serving someone when you embrace that it's literally an expression of your purpose. Your purpose is not something you're going to figure out someday. Please stop putting your purpose into something that lives in the future. It's another reason we can't live in the now moment because most people think one day something magical is going to happen and I'm going to be in the middle of my purpose and I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. <laughs> Some, someday in the future, God's going to send an angel. One day in the future, just something special is going to happen and boom, I'm in the middle of my purpose and I'm going to be happy and fulfilled for the rest of my life. Here's what I've learned. You don't find purpose in the future. You understand it in the present and you express it through serving somebody. I'm going to say it again. You don't find your purpose in the future. You understand it in the present and you express it by serving somebody. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know, I know in the past I've had so much anxiety because I was like, what am I supposed to do? Who am I? You know, how can I figure out my future? And our brain literally can't do it because, I mean, of course, we have to make plans. We have to, uh, to a certain extent, think about the future. But, you know, it's like we live in the now and that will help us uh, make the path clear on where, where it's going. But we can't figure it out ahead of time, you know. So um, the more we, we try it, we get stuck future thinking and just anxiety because it's not going to be clear. Absolutely. And, and it goes back to David. David, when he was with his, with the sheep, he was with the sheep. <laughs> when he was serving his brothers, he was serving his brothers. When, when he was with the bread and cheese, he was with the bread and cheese. Make sense. Yep. He, he was in the now moment, the now moment, the now moment, serving in the now moment. And then be, because he was doing that, he was at the right place at the right time to end up facing the giant he was destined to conquer. So here's what I want to say. Don't look for the giant. Whatever giant you're destined to slay, don't look for it. Because David wasn't looking for Goliath. David didn't even know about Goliath. But his willingness to embrace the now moment and serve 
is what caused him to be at the right place at the right time to end up face to face with the giant he was supposed to slay. We have too many people looking for their Goliaths instead of just embrace where you are and be fruitful and productive for the benefit of others with the opportunities that are already right in front of you. Hmm. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So, and it's barely three o'clock, so <laughs> I'm excited because I don't have to leave until about an hour from now, and I've got so much I can share, and I hope y'all are enjoying this. I hope this is making more sense on how life-changing it was for me. All right, the next point I want to make is a servant's heart does not exalt itself above others. And here's another thing that really helps us with purpose. Because whether we want to admit it or not, when we don't really understand purpose, to a degree, we believe one day I'm going to be fulfilling my purpose and it includes having some kind of title. And it includes having some kind of authority or it includes having some kind of position or it includes having some kind of influence or it includes having some kind of uh, being above others. We may not say it like that, but I'm able to verbalize it because God gave me wisdom. So, but a servant's heart does not exalt itself above others. So fulfilling purpose has nothing to do with whether you're at the top of the totem pole or not. Fulfilling purpose has nothing to do with whether you have authority on earth or not. Fulfilling purpose has nothing to do with whether you make more money than somebody else or not. Fulfilling purpose has nothing to do with, with whether you're the janitor or the CEO. No. Purpose and being a servant, you know, if you haven't figured it out by now... I really believe that being a servant equals fulfilling your purpose. <laughs> um, so a servant's heart does not exalt itself above others. Let me give you some, some examples. I want to make it practical. So there can be a company. You have the CEO at the very top. And then you have janitors at the very bottom. Janitors make the least at this company. The CEO makes the most. All right. The CEO has the money he wanted, has the woman he wanted, has money for to go to the vacations he wants. He's got the car of his dreams. He's got the house of his dreams. He's got the title. He's got the power. He's got the position. He's got the suit. But he's not sensitive to the needs of others. He's a terrible husband. Now I'm not saying. I'm, let me make this clear. I'm only gonna. I'm only gonna paint this picture of the CEO to make a point. Because you can be a CEO and have a servant's heart. You can be a CEO and be a great husband. But I'm just gonna try to make a point. Okay. But let's say the CEO doesn't understand what it means to have a servant's heart. Let's say he exalts itself, himself above others because of his position. And let's say he's very selfish, not selfless. 
Let's say he has a heart that's not sensitive to the needs of others. So he's a terrible husband, a terrible father. He doesn't volunteer anywhere. So, yes, he may have money and the car of his dreams and the house of his dreams and a beautiful wife and, and you name it. But little does he know he's disrespecting his purpose in a major way. You can have everything you wanted and still be disrespecting your purpose in a, in a terrible manner because you're not honoring what it means to have a servant's heart. So you can have a CEO that most people, just by, just by seeing him as CEO, most people will say this, oh, he found his purpose. Because they're just looking at the outside. People who don't understand purpose, they'll just look at a CEO and they'll say, oh, he's a CEO. He's got money. He's got influence. He's whatever. Oh, he found his purpose in life. Little do they know that he has no clue what it means to fulfill purpose because he's very selfish. He doesn't have a heart that can be touched by the needs of others. He doesn't get creative with how he serves others and he exalts himself above others. Little do they know that he has no clue what it means to fulfill purpose. All he did was go to school, get a degree, land a good job, work his way up, up the totem pole, and now he's CEO, but he did it even at the expense of disrespecting others. Because of all those factors I, I highlighted. Mm -hmm. But you can have a janitor who's at the total opposite, the bottom of the totem pole now, right? He makes the least money. Um, he doesn't have the car of his dreams. He doesn't have the house of his dreams. He, he can't go on all these vacations like the CEO can. But he volunteers in his community. He's very sensitive to the needs of others. He's got a humble heart. He treats his wife the right way. He loves his kids. The janitor, the janitor is fulfilling purpose better than the CEO. And people on the outside who don't know this, they'll look at the CEO and say he's fulfilling purpose. And they'll look at the janitor and say, I hope he finds his purpose one day. Hmm. Little, little do they know that he's fulfilling his purpose in a greater manner than the CEO. Yeah. Do you see great. that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I love it. Now, is there scripture for this? Absolutely. Everything I share has scripture tied to it. And by the way, I love the pictures that scripture paints because there's different ways to interpret scripture. You can interpret it from a, from what was the exact context. Okay. Contextually. And, and, there, and there, there's other ways, but just for the sake of getting to my points, and I want to make the most of this, of this hour. One way that I love to, to interpret scripture is what picture is it painting? Because many times scripture paints a picture of a truth that helps you love better, that helps you serve better, and that helps you forgive. So that's one way to interpret scripture. Anytime you're reading scripture, ask yourself, is it painting any kind of picture for me 
of how I can love people better. Hmm. Okay? So, if you read John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, it's going to paint a picture for you. Okay? And, and one scripture can paint various pictures for you, you know, because uh, the picture that it paints for you may, may be different from mine. Sometimes it can be very similar. But here's the picture it paints for me. Jesus puts a towel around his waist and starts washing the feet of his disciples. What, what picture does that paint for me? That him being the leader is showing them that a true leader is a servant of servants. Hmm. A true leader of leaders is really a servant of servants at heart. See, Jesus was a leader of future leaders, but yet he was willing to serve those who were serving him. I'm going to say that again. Jesus was leading future leaders, but he was willing to wash the feet of those who were serving him. So what he's teaching us is a leader of leaders is really a servant of servants at heart. Hmm. He's always flipping things. <laughs> Come on. In other words, a true king doesn't focus on the crown he was given. He focuses on having a foot washing heart. A true king doesn't focus on what's on his head. He focuses on what's in his heart. So if we want to fulfill purpose, don't focus on what title this world can give you. Focus on having a heart like Jesus, a servant's heart. If you really want to fulfill purpose in the most genuine manner, don't make it about title or power or money or how you're dressed. Don't make it about any of that. Don't chase a platform. If you really want to fulfill purpose in a genuine manner, then embrace every embrace the everyday opportunities you have to express a foot washing heart. Make sense? Yes, sir. That's great. Come on. A foot a foot washing heart. If somebody were to ask me, Junior, what's the heart of God like? This is what I would tell them. I really believe with all my heart that if Jesus literally opened his heart, you would see hands washing feet. <laughs> you would see a mop bucket. You would see a broom. Why? Because a servant's heart does not exalt itself above others. And how, how many people are chasing purpose at the expense of exalting themselves above others, at the expense of disrespecting others. They'll use manipulation. They'll use deception because they think I'm chasing purpose and the only way I'm really fulfilling my purpose is when I'm at the top of something. But fulfilling purpose is I stay humble and I serve through everyday opportunities. I don't ever exalt myself above others. I, 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 I see everybody as an opportunity. Not, I, see, I view everyone as an opportunity for me to serve rather than as someone to compete with. And, and I'm going to serve my neighbor. And I don't care whether I look like a king or a slave when I'm doing it. 
Jesus didn't care that he looked like a slave while washing the feet of his disciples. If you can get to the point that you can serve your neighbor and you don't care how you look while doing it, you have gotten to a place where you understand the heart of purpose. The heart of purpose is my existence is about someone else benefiting from it. Hmm. Purpose is about someone else benefits from my existence because I'm not competing with them. I'm not manipulating them. I'm not trying to deceive them. I'm trying to show them that I genuinely love them because I'm willing to serve them. Hallelujah. Yeah. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that verse about your treasures are not here, they're in heaven. And Come on. us being a servant, that's the treasures are stored up in heaven for that. Mm. And and really just being a servant is so rewarding on the inside for, for ourselves as well as them. You know, it's like their their appreciation, their love, or you know, it does you don't they don't even have to know that it was you. But you can see the fruit of what that did for them. And that's reward enough. God designed us. I believe it with all my heart. God designed us to get the fulfillment we need in two ways. By having intimacy with him through Holy Spirit. And by also allowing his love to touch someone else through us. You get fulfillment when God's love touches someone else through you. And what's one of the main ways that God's love touches someone else through you? Through serving them. See, serving is love in action. Being fruitful and productive for the benefit of others is love in action. Being creative with how we serve others is love in action. Being sensitive to the needs of others and responding to that need is love in action. So you could put it this way, if you really want fulfillment in your heart and in the depths of who you are, then have intimacy with God and allow his love to touch your neighbor through you. I like a quote that says, purpose is about heaven touching earth through me. Hmm. Heaven touching earth through me. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, let's go back. You stated something. You stated about um, treasure. Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's talking about where you put your money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. Now, your scripture was a different one. I'm, 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 we're not talking about the same scripture, but in this particular scripture... He's talking about money. Watch this. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. When we don't understand purpose, we'll use our treasure, our money, to make us look better than somebody else. To make it look like we're fulfilling purpose and they're not. But when you understand purpose, you won't use your treasure to look better than someone else. You'll use your treasure, your money, to help someone else. Yeah. Okay? Think about how many people, especially men, 
How many things they buy to look better than other men? Buy a bigger truck. Try to buy a bigger home. Try to buy a bigger TV. Try to buy whatever. Whatever it is. See, because their heart isn't exalting themselves above others. They don't understand purpose. But when you understand purpose, you use your treasure, you use your money not to compete with another man or to look better than another man or to try to belittle another man. No. You use your money, you use your treasure for your creativity to serve others. Hmm. You use your money, you use your treasure to invest in something that's going to help humanity. You use your money, you use your treasure to help a single mother pay her water bill. You use your money, you use your treasure to create scholarships for future college students. Because you understand purpose. This is why um, I don't chase money. I don't, I don't mind opportunities to make more money. But I don't chase money. Whatever money I have now, I want to make sure I use it in a way that benefits people. I live in a two-bedroom apartment right now. I could be, I could be in a three-bedroom, two-bath house, but I don't need that. If I didn't understand purpose, I probably would be in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. And even that's not fancy, but it's, it's a step up from where I am. But I don't need that. I'm not trying to impress anybody. See, when you understand purpose, you don't go through life impressing people or trying to impress people. You just go through life helping people. Yeah. Now, I don't chase money. But if you're someone who loves making money, then I encourage you. I encourage you to view money as the more money you get, the more you're able to help people. Because mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking for different opportunities to bring in more income. If your goal is the more money I make, the more difference I can make. Mm. I'm going to say it again. There's nothing wrong with more avenues through which money comes in. As long as my mindset is the more money I make, the more difference I'll make. Mm. That's good. <laughs> Come on. I know, I know people, not me, that, that make a good amount of money, but they also use it to help others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, I, and see, that's one thing that this is why I also I don't have a problem at all. When in a church setting, I'm not saying all churches are the same, but I know there's a lot of churches that do a lot of good. They, they, I mean, they do a lot of good because I've been a pastor before. So I've been from the inside. I've been a part of churches that nobody knows how much we actually do for people. People on the outside, they don't, they're not part of our board meetings, but I know where the money goes. Man, this month we helped this family with their rent. This month we did this. This month we did that. And then obviously we're limited on how much we can help because our church, the churches I was part of, it's not like we had billions to work with. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is this is why I don't have a problem with, with churches um, having certain series on giving. 
because I know that a lot of churches do a lot of good, but they can't do good if there if there's no money coming in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So right. so I say that in defense of churches because I've been a pastor before. There's some people who are like, I, if I go to church, I don't want them to ever talk about money. Well, you don't understand. You don't understand that there's that there's families who come to the church and they ask the church for help and the church helps them. You don't want to believe that because because you have a negative attitude and you want to worship your opinion and you're not open to what I'm saying. So as long as long as you worship your opinion and you don't want to believe the best in churches, don't get me wrong, have there been times, don't get me wrong, have there been times that churches misuse money and hurt people? Absolutely, absolutely. But not all churches are the same. And I'm hoping through this broad through this podcast, especially because I've been a pastor of three churches, I'm hoping you can be a little more open-minded, okay? Stop worshiping what you believe. Stop worshiping your opinion just because some church did something wrong, you know, because that's also immature. I think that's mm. immature. Just because, just because one church does something wrong, we don't have to, you know, throw away all churches. But to my point, I'm totally okay. When I walk into a church and they're encouraging people to give, I'm totally okay with it. Because I know that the more money a church has to work with, the less people they turn down. Because right. I'm telling you, whether you want to believe it or not, I've been on the other side. And there's always families reaching out for help to churches. And it hurts. It hurt my heart when I said I can't. Mm. Not because I didn't want to, but it hurt my heart when a family's needing help to pay their water bill. And I want to express the heart of a servant to them. And we just, we didn't have the money for it. Because we already helped that family and that family and that family. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's just about using your discernment, you know, your connection with the Holy Spirit to, you know, to to see, you know, to discern if a church, you know, is the right heart and using their money the right way. But obviously, don't have it black and white. You know, it's, it's you know, all churches are going to use the money wrong Absolutely. or all churches are going to use it right. Just yeah. discernment. And, and even if this happens, even if even if you end up finding, let's let's say you've been attending a church that's misusing the money have a bigger heart that ha have a heart that's so big that you won't allow someone who misused money to keep you from believing that you're still called to be a part of something bigger than yourself because I believe all of us are called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and and so if this has happened to you, if, if you're listening right now and you say, man, I was a part of a church. And you know what? I haven't been to church in five years because I found out they're misusing the money. So I will never give money to a church again. I haven't been back to a church in five years. I'm respectfully saying have a bigger heart than that. Because what you're telling me is their mistake is bigger than your heart. Don't let someone's, don't let someone's someone who disrespected you and everybody else that gave, don't let that be bigger than the kind of heart that God gives us. Mm -hmm. Interp I, I, hope you, I hope you can grasp that in, in a way that's healthy um, because, because my point is this, you're still, I know you've been hurt, but you're still called to be a part of something bigger than you. 
Yeah, I think it's, it's just about that, um, not holding on to bitterness, but but going through that process of healing so that you can then, yeah, continue to believe in something bigger than yourself and that that your heart can be used in, in good ways to, to help others despite um, organizations or people that misuse that. If you're having a good heart about it, God will find a way to use that in a good manner. Come on, and, and watch this. This is like, I can't think of a better example. Jesus' own ministry team, the guy he had handling his money, the Bible tells us that Judas every now and then would take from the money for his own personal use. Did that mean, did that mean throw the baby out with the bathwater? No, the, that, that ministry team that Jesus had, still went and changed the world even though they had a shady accountant <laughs> come on so so there, matter of fact there's a church here in town i'm not going to say what name it is but their one of their accountants went to prison because she was handling money the wrong way but despite there being a judas in the house that church still this day is being a blessing to a lot of people hmm. So, so just think about Jesus and his own team. He had a shady accountant. He, the person, the person responsible for the finances was not doing the right thing all the time with those finances, but it, it didn't mean that the, that, that the team Jesus had together, um, it didn't mean that, that they were all crooked or, or wrong. They were still the team that God used to change the world. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. So, ooh, it's 327. We still got 30 minutes. You know, I know as a pastor, you like to utilize all the time you have. <laughs> Here, here's another one. A servant's, a servant's heart is secure enough to serve an enemy. I'm going to say that again. A servant's heart is secure enough to serve an enemy. Secure enough in what? Secure enough in God's love. The more that we grow in God's love, the more secure we are in His love, that we're so convinced that our purpose is to love our neighbor, that we're strong enough in love to help someone that doesn't clap for us, to help someone who doesn't desire to see us prosper. That is an enemy. If, if you're wondering, what is an enemy? An enemy is someone who doesn't wish you well. An enemy is someone who doesn't want to help you prosper. An enemy is someone who doesn't want to see you make progress in the different areas of your life. That's an enemy. And when you're willing to help someone who's not willing to help you, when you're willing to serve someone who doesn't desire to serve you, when you're willing to pray for someone who doesn't want to pray for you, that's the heart of God. 
that in itself is a beautiful expression of your purpose. See, see, the Bible tells us in Romans that while we were enemies of God, Christ came and served us. He came and died for us. The Bible tells us that when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, it paints, it, it only talks about him having a conversation with, G, with Judas. I mean, I mean with, with Peter. But when he washes the feet of Peter, I believe he kept washing everyone's feet, including Judas. Including the one who already had said it in his heart, I'm going to betray you. Mm. And here's another thing. If you do research in the story of the Good Samaritan, the wounded man was a Jew. Jews looked down on Samaritans. The Samaritan was secure enough in the Father's love that he was willing to serve a wounded man that didn't like him. Mm. And that's so powerful because, you know, the natural human response when you're wrong is to do it back. Or, you know, at the very least, to just cut ties with that person or, you know, avoid him, whatever. But when we respond in love, then at the very least, that that makes them stop, makes them think, like, why is this person treating me well? Why why are they loving me? Why they And so, you know, that's... that's uh, Transmuting the power of hate into, into love. Come on. Come on. Jesus on the cross was serving those who cut him. Jesus on the cross was serving those who mocked him. Jesus on the cross was dying not just for those who loved him. He was also dying and making a way for those who knelt him to the cross. It's an expression of purpose. Am I willing... To pray for those who make me bleed. Am I willing to wish them the best? Am I willing to speak life over them? Am I willing to help them when from their heart they wish me death? A servant's heart is secure enough in God's love to serve an enemy, to pray for an enemy, to wish them the best. Even if it means I feel like they're crucifying me. Right. And that changes our heart of, uh, or, or our mind of, of victimhood, of I've been wronged, I don't deserve this. And that helps transform our heart into forgiveness and and love. And so, you know, that again, that benefits us as well as them. Come on. And so look at how this fits into our topic of fulfilling purpose and having a servant's heart. Someone who's full of pride and they're exalting themselves above others. The last thing they're going to do is serve an enemy. If anything... If anything, they're going to laugh at their enemy when their enemy's wounded. You see that? The Samaritan could have laughed at his enemy. The Samaritan could have said, that's what you get. But the Samaritan knew 
His purpose has nothing to do with being above someone. His purpose is about serving someone, even if that someone is someone who desires to be above you. <laughs> it's kind of like if you want to be above me, you know, let you have your way, and then they'll find out is that really uh, fulfilling? It's not. <laughs> come on, come on. The hearts of the kingdom of darkness. The hearts of the kingdom of darkness is what Lucifer said in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Lucifer said this in his heart. I will exalt myself above, above God's stars. I will set my throne far in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and I will be like the most high. Lucifer said that. But you know what Jesus said in Philippians? Jesus said the whole opposite. Follow me. Lucifer said, I will exalt myself above God's stars. I will set my throne far in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. All you hear is I, 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 and exalt, exalt, exalt. If you go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 13, Jesus says the opposite. It says that Jesus walks away from heaven. He humbles himself. He takes the form of a servant. He comes down to earth and he's obedient unto the cross. And he puts a towel around his waist and he washes feet. So the heart of Lucifer is, I will exalt myself. The heart of Jesus is, I will humble myself. The heart of Lucifer is, I want power. The heart of Jesus is, I want to love people. The heart of Lucifer is, I want to go up. The heart of Jesus is, I don't mind going down. The heart of Lucifer is, I want to have a position. The heart of Jesus is, I want to fulfill purpose. Hmm. To this day, how many people, without knowing it, are expressing the heart of Lucifer? I want to go up, I want to go up, I want to go up, and I don't care what it costs. I don't care what I have to do. I want to go up. I want to go up. Why? Because I think my purpose is about going up. I think my purpose is about going up and having position and having power and having influence. I think my position is going up. I think my purpose is going up. That's what they believe. It's a lie. Your purpose is to be like Jesus, to have a humble heart and be willing to wash feet and be willing to be fruitful and productive and not exalt yourself above others. Hallelujah. Amen. Makes sense? Yes, sir. Woo! I love it. I love it. So let me give you this quote. I felt like Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Lucifer chased a crown of gold while Jesus came down to express a heart of gold. So what are you chasing? A golden crown or do you want to express a golden heart hmm. those who chase a golden a golden crown don't understand purpose but those who just want to express a heart of gold in simple ways they understand purpose hmm. I'll put it this way Satan has a thorny heart and he wants a golden crown. I'm going to say it again. Satan has a thorny heart 
and he wants a golden crown. But Jesus has a golden heart and he doesn't mind wearing a thorny crown. <laughs> it's kind of a, a misdirection of, of, of priorities, of like chasing the external or the momentary. And again, I, you know, but instead of chasing what's internal, what's eternal and what's fulfilling, what's deep. Absolutely. When you're living to impress people, you will never understand what purpose is. When, you're, when you go through life trying to impress people, you will never understand the heart of purpose. But when you go through life wanting to help people, when you go through life saying, I just want to help people, and you do it, you understand purpose. You understand purpose. A servant's heart. All right. Here's another one. A servant's heart is a heart that is anointed and saturated by God's love. So if, if you're listening, you would ask, well, I, Junior, I'm, I'm being honest, Junior. My heart is not sensitive to the needs of others. My heart doesn't know how to get creative with how I serve others. My, my heart is not willing to be productive for the benefit of others. My heart does exalt itself above others. I'm just being honest with you, Junior. First of all, thank you for your honesty. But to answer your question, how do you change that? I promise you from experience, when you say, God, shower my heart with your love. God, baptize my heart with your love. God, saturate my heart with your love. God, fill my heart with your love. When you do that, I promise you, his love will invade your heart. You keep doing that every day. I promise you, your heart will start becoming sensitive to the needs of others. Your heart will get creative with how you serve others. Your heart will want to sweat for the benefit of others. Your heart will want to be fruitful and productive for the benefit of others. Your heart will want to serve enemies. Your heart will not want to exalt itself above others. When you say every day, Lord, invade my heart with your love, I promise you, everything we've gone over, your heart will begin to produce that. Yeah. It's his heart. It's his love that does it. It's his love that does it. Notice I did say memorize 50 scriptures. I didn't say fast for 50 days. I didn't say speak in tongues till you turn blue in the face. I didn't say pray for 50. I, I didn't say pray for 10 hours a day. I'm not against none of that. I'm not against fasting. I'm not against anything of the things I mentioned. I just want to highlight that it is God's love that makes your heart like his heart. I'm going to say it again. It is his love that makes our heart a servant's heart. So I, I, I encourage you. that I, I Remember I told you I'm going to say some things with confidence. I'm going to say some things with conviction. I'm going to say some things with boldness as if I know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. This is what did it for me. The more I said, Lord, fill my heart with your love, fill my heart with your love, invade my heart with your love, baptize my heart with, my, with your love, the more that I realized, wow, it's his love that makes me sensitive to the needs of others. It's his heart that makes my heart not want to exalt itself above others. 
it's his heart that makes me get creative with how I, it's his love that makes me get creative. It, it was his love that did all those things for my heart. Right. It, it reminds me of like, whenever you have to, to fill your own um, vessel before you can fill others. And so you have to cultivate that relationship with God Come and uh, feel his love. I, I think of it like surrendering, surrendering my ego and um, all my issues to God. And he heals that and he, and he fills me with that love. And then out of that love, it overflows and and then I can help others. If I'm so, you know, um, w- when I'm still, you know, so wounded and, and whatever, that makes me self-focused and I'm, it takes me out of the moment, you there know. You but the more that those things can heal, the more I can be present um, for others. Come on. Come on. This is why the kingdom of darkness would love for us to not forgive. For us to have resentment and hold a grudge. Because the moment we start practicing forgiving, we're allowing, we're, we're opening ourselves up again so that heaven can touch earth through us. Watch this quote that I, I felt like Holy Spirit gave me. God's love is the most powerful force. Not because it conquers all its enemies, but because it's secure enough to serve them and love them. I'm going to say that again. God's love is the most powerful force. Not because it conquers all its enemies, but because it's secure enough to serve and to love its enemies. Amen. Again, that's another flipping of the common thing of like, oh, it's us versus them you know it's something we got to fight against it's so no so we we surrender and we conquer them through our love come on man and i want to give you something else for that point of creativity if you're listening and you say junior i don't have any kind of creativity let me challenge you on that because i understand sometimes we get bored and we want to do something new And when you get bored with your life for a little bit or you want something new, that's a perfect opportunity to tap into the creativity God has given you. And and you and it creates a new avenue for you to be a blessing to somebody. But you're but maybe you're saying, I have zero creativity. Well, here's what here's what I want you to assure you of. You do have creativity. And let me tell you why. Because the very first verse in the Bible says that the one who created you, look at what it says, in the beginning, God created. The first thing the Bible tells us about God is that he created something. So I want you to know that embedded in us are qualities of he who created us. And I, I challenge you to never again verbalize that you're not creative. There's words in your power. There's power in your words. Please don't ever again verbalize that you're not creative. Don't say that. But if you're struggling, I need you to say, Lord, I believe 
that you have placed some level of creativity within me because the first thing you did was you created something. There's got to be, you, you have to have deposited to some extent, some level of creativity within me. I ask that it be your love that brings it out of me. That it would be your love that gives me an idea. That it would be your love that gives me a revelation of something I can do. I ask that it be your love. Why? Because, read it this way. In the beginning, love created the heavens and the earth. We know that God is love. You can say in the beginning God created, or you can say in the beginning love created the heavens and the earth. So we know that love is creative. Love is creative. So if you're listening, if you're listening, I'm going to challenge you with this. One way that you know that you really love someone is you get creative with how you express that love. If you're married, if you're married or you got a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, if you really love that person, I guarantee you, you're going out of your way to do different things to express your love. I guarantee you. You're going out of you're going out of your way. You you even look for different ways. You 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 you'll say, man, how can I show my love for her this morning? Oh, I'm gonna do something I've never done. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise her at work with some Starbucks coffee. Boom. Oh, you know what? I've never texted her a prayer in the morning. Today I'm gonna text her a prayer. See, see what your love is doing? Your love is creating creativity. So if you're wondering, if you're wondering, do I really love the person I'm with? Just ask yourself. Is there creativity in you on how you make them feel loved? Hmm. Hallelujah. That's good. I'm going to come at it from a little different angle. That, that's all yeah. great. Yes. Jesus said to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a little child. Yes. When I think of creativity, I think of um, instead of being like, I have an obligation to be creative. I'm like, I want to be like a child, see this world as a child, see oh, this world is wonderful. There's, there's so much more to learn. There's so much joy to have. There's a lightness and there's a playfulness. And you can't have creativity if you don't have that playfulness and that, that, I love that. curiosity and that, I love that. that little kid joy, you know what I'm saying? I love that. And that's when my creativity shuts down is when I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be creative. I need to. And I'm, it's, it's like I'm, I'm tension. Great point. Great point. Great point. And I, and I think, and out of my own experience, it's always been God's love that creates that atmosphere. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. so, so that's why I'm saying, if you feel like you're not creative, it's not up to you to, to create that in you. It's, it's, God's love that will birth that in you. If if you say, Lord, fill me with your love, then it's like his love has the responsibility to birth that in you, and now it just comes natural rather than rather than rather than it being like a duty. Right. 
Mm-hmm. It becomes more of an expression rather than a duty. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, absolutely. You know, the things that I do, like the, uh, we got about 10 minutes, um, like this whole name thing, it's, it flows from me, you know? Mm-hmm. And anything else that I do to serve others, it flows from me. Amen? Amen. And so absolutely, I, I love I love that point. And uh, man, since we only got 10 minutes left, let me look at my notes. And because I've, I've got so much in here. And, and by the way, if you would like a copy of any of my books, go to john832prisonministry.org. When you type John 832, there's no, there's no, uh, I'll make sure I put it in the notes. Okay. I don't know if it's called a colon or a semicolon. Which one's the colon? The one that's just two dots? I can't. Cause, <laughs> yeah, colon, colon's the two dots. Yeah. Yeah. And the semicolon is the one that has more like a comma uh, at the bottom, comma, right? Yep. Yeah. So there's no colon or semicolon. It's just john832prisonministry.org. If you want to get a copy of one of my books or all three of them, they're on the website. You can click on the tab that says resources. Um, and you can learn more about um, our prison ministry team and the mission of John 832 Prison Ministry. Um, but I want to I want to share some more before I there's, I still got nine minutes. On the point of we don't we don't exalt ourselves above others, right? That we shouldn't. The servant's heart doesn't do that. God's love doesn't lead our heart to do that. If you read the story of David and Goliath, it uh, you'll you'll read where Goliath was taunting Israel. Goliath was belittling David once David started confronting him. Watch this. Goliath's big head led to his demotion. Watch. Goliath's big head led to his demotion. David's big heart led to his promotion. It's rhyme there, not very nice. <laughs> yeah, that was good. So big head leads to demotion. Big heart leads to promotion. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I love that. Keep teach that to your kids. A big head leads to demotion. A big heart leads to promotion. I'll give you. An example. In, I think it's in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. I could be wrong, but I think it's Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Is where you see the mother of James and John. And I'm still on this point of we don't exalt ourselves above others. We shouldn't. God's love doesn't lead us to do that. The mother of James and John comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, I have a favor to ask you. Jesus says, what's up? She says, in your kingdom, I want one of my sons at your left and one of my sons at your right in a place of honor. If you keep reading, Jesus rebukes her. It doesn't say the word rebuke, but this is how he rebukes her. (coughs) Jesus says this, in this world, you have people who lord their authority over others. He says, but amongst you, it will be different. He who wants to have a place of honor, he who wants to be great, he who wants to be a leader must become the servant of all. 
So Jesus is teaching parents something. As a parent, she was saying, Jesus, give my kids a position of honor, exalt them, bless them. But Jesus is saying, that shouldn't be your prayer. That shouldn't be your request to me. Your prayer should be, Jesus, create in my sons a humble heart that they may serve their neighbor. Ain't that awesome? Yeah, that's great. To this day, to, the, to this day, there's parents who are praying, Lord, promote my sons. And they get spiritual about it. They say, they'll get spiritual. They'll say this, promote my sons for your glory. Promote my sons that they may represent you. I get what they're trying to say, but it's an ignorant statement. I say that respectfully. They're saying, give my kids position of honors, exalt them. They're doing the same thing the mother of James and John did. What they should be saying is, Lord, I pray for my kids. I don't care whether they're janitor or CEO. I just want them to have the heart of a servant. I don't care whether they work at McDonald's or at a Fortune 500 company. I just want them to have a heart that's sensitive to the needs of others. Lord, I don't care if my sons end up being rich and famous or not, or, or, or not rich and famous. I just want them to have a heart of gold. That should be the prayer. And Jesus was teaching her that. Matthew chapter 20 starts in verse 20. Ain't that beautiful? Yeah, that's great. So please stop asking God to promote your kids. Instead, ask God to give them a heart that's humble enough to wash feet. Because heaven will promote the foot washers. I'm going to say it again. Heaven promotes foot washers. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll close with this. I got five minutes. That's how it manifested in my life. When I started at the prisons, I wasn't getting paid to do it. But I literally did foot washing ceremonies at the prisons. I literally washed the feet of people who were in there for committing terrible crimes. I washed the feet of the enemies of society. I don't call them that, but a lot of people call them the enemies of society. Look at, look at me secure enough to wash the feet of the enemies of society. I kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. Why? Because I was looking for promotion? No, because the Father's love led me to do it. Fast forward. My dream was to become full-time prison ministry. My dream came true in March, March of 2021. In February of 2021, I received a call from a lady who said, I'm going to retire. Would you like to take over? I accepted. In March of 2021, I became full-time prison ministry. I didn't look for it as far as I didn't even know she was going to retire. I never called the organization or anything. So here's what I'm saying. Here's my point. When you just serve, 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 serve. Big heart, big heart, big heart, big heart. Heart of gold, heart of gold, heart of gold. Wash feet, wash feet, wash feet. Don't be surprised if sooner or later you get paid to live your dream. I'm living my dream right now. I wanted to be full-time prison ministry. That was my dream. 
Now I get paid to do my dream. But again, not because I had a big head, but because I was willing to go to the prisons without getting paid. And I was willing to wash the feet of those who are considered the enemies of society. Heaven promotes foot washers. I hope you were blessed by this broadcast. And uh, can I finish with a prayer? Yeah. Father, first of all, thank you for thank you for Kendall's heart. Thank you for what you've done in his heart and what you're continuing to do in his heart and through his heart. I thank you for this platform that you've created through him so that people like me could have an opportunity to come and share. And it's not just us, the things he shares also. Thank you for this idea of a podcast, a platform. Father, my prayer for everyone who's been listening is that they would at least consider what I've shared, Father. That they would at least consider it. And Father, those who do embrace what I've shared, Father, I I ask that through your Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal to them how they need to apply it to their life, Father, in practical ways. Father, just give them wisdom. Give them wisdom regarding what it means to have a servant's heart. I thank you for the opportunity to share what you've shared with me, Lord. We give you the glory, Father, right now in this moment. I thank you and I give you all the glory, honor, and praise, Holy Spirit, for everything that you spoke through me through this broadcast. Everything you spoke and everything you did in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, glory to you, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Junior. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for your heart. And thanks for your time. Hallelujah. Bye-bye. All right. I'll see you all next time.